I want you to think back just a little bit to when we were all a little bit younger, right? When we were children, when we were kids, is there any time of the year that was longer than Advent? Right? I mean, it, it seems like it was so much longer, even in those last few weeks of school when we were waiting summer vacation. Advent seemed to drag on forever. I was no different. In one year, it was particularly bad for me, I think, because I did what every kid does. I don't know if parents knew that back then, but we snooped around the house until we found our Christmas presents, right? And I was probably sixth, maybe seventh grade top, so around 13 years old. And the only thing, the only thing that I'd wanted, it seemed like for years, was a Schwinn Varsity Sport 10-speed bicycle. I had dreamed of that bike. I had a whole folder sitting beside my bed that I would go over every night as I was trying to fall asleep. I knew all about the special racing seat that was practically guaranteed to make my ride more comfortable. And I memorized all the gear ratios with every click of the derailleur. I swear I could almost feel between my thumbs that special print on the Varsity's vinyl grip tape for the handlebars. Long before before Farrah Fawcett came into my life a few years later, <laughs> this was the first thing I think I actually fell in love with. That year, weeks before Christmas, I was on the prowl, and like previous years, I did not go unsuccessful in my hunt. My parents were gone for the evening. My older brother and I got busy. We had a well-laid-out plan, and therefore, maybe within an hour, I had my success. There it was tucked into the dark corner of the basement, wedged somehow in behind the furnace, there was that longed-for, that lusted-for Schwinn Varsity Sport 10-speed in vivid electric yellow. Santa Claus had even sprung for that little friction-powered generator on the wheel so I could ride that thing 24 hours a day. And I looked at that bike. I gazed at that bike. I touched that bike, every surface. And then, with that same care and that same passion, I put that bike exactly back in the same spot it was lest Santa had marked the tires. But now came the hard part. Because I'd found this, now I had to suffer for weeks knowing that my bike was sitting alone in the dark basement. Something that I had wanted and planned for and longed for and dreamed for for so many years was so close and yet was mockingly held without my reach. I wanted to ride it so badly, but it was no use. I would simply have to yet again bide my time. Now, as that long-awaited for day finally dawned, I, I faced the mirror one more time in my bedroom, and I practiced my shocked and surprised look. You know, there's no way that I could have just walked into the living room without that spontaneous, genuine expression on my face. And sure that I was prepared as anyone could be. I mustered up the conference of every 13-year-old boy who knew that his life was about to change forever. And I rounded the corner of the living room. The tree was lit. Mom and Dad already in the sofa, Polaroid at hand, ready to catch my well-practiced, genuine expression. And the first sound I remember hearing that morning was that of my older brother yelling out in glee, Cool! Thanks, Santa! And my brain was muddled. It's like, what are you doing sitting on my bike? But it couldn't be. You know, that, that was my name on that tag. But it wasn't. And as so often happens, that first experience with love for me turned into my first life lesson of utter disappointment and of heartbreak. 
And as long as it seemed that I'd waited for those weeks for Christmas to get there, that emptiness lasted longer. And by now you're asking yourself, what the heck does this have to do with Advent? It's as easy as asking, what is it that you are waiting for this season? How long are you going to wait? You know, for Isaiah, who we read in the first book, say it was about 700 years before what he prophesied came to pass. For Abraham, over 2,000 years before he, when he put his faith into something that was coming, appeared. And yet each of those and all their people, they prayed and they planned and they prepared and they waited again. So how long will you wait for Christ? 700 years? 2,000 years? Today, with the lighting of our fourth candle, all the preparations and the planning are again complete. In a very real, real way, all the signs and those hopes and those promises made for generations before us, they are coming to completion. Think about it. Somewhere, Mary and Joseph are making their way to Bethlehem. Somewhere, there's three magi and their entourage making their way ever closer, following a dream, following a plan, waiting upon that star which they've been following to lead them to its conclusion. Waiting, waiting. It's almost time. So how long will you wait? How long do you plan to make God wait on you? It is time for us tonight, each one of us to answer, and each answer is going to be different. But we have to answer from within our hearts. We have to shout out, come, Emmanuel, come, God, with us, dwelling with us, yearning to be with us. But we have to put in the work to welcome him. We have to make ready the manger. We have to be ready to dwell with him. And it's easy to spend these days waiting and expecting if we just expect God to do all the work. But if we really desire to be a people of Emmanuel, we cannot let this Advent be only about preparing for Christmas. It must become for us a time of preparing for Christ. Christ with us. Christ Emmanuel. These are our last few days. There's no more candles to light. These are our last few days to make straight those paths, to ready that spiritual place, that manger within our hearts, that hearts, that place where Christ, the child, yearns to rest within him. And we have to yearn for him with equal desire, more than we yearn for Santa Claus, more than we yearn for Schwinn Varsity Sport 10-speed more than we yearn for whatever it is that we put our time and our effort and our thought and our prayers and our waiting and our scheming to achieve. Our scripture reading these last few weeks have been filled with John the Baptist. John, the one person who knew Jesus Christ even when they were still in the womb. And John sending out his own disciples to ask of this man who he thinks, who he hopes is him. And they come to him and they say, are you the one? Or are we to wait for another? Are you that long-awaited-for Messiah? Are you what Isaiah promised us 700-some years ago? 
And even John then seemed prepared to wait even longer if it was necessary. And I think that's this message for us today. For Jesus' response was simple. Go and tell John what you've seen here. Go and tell him that the blind see, the deaf hear, the mute speak, the lame have leaped up and danced in front of your eyes. Earlier in our scripture, Jesus warns us very plainly to not put our faith into false prophets, to turn away from the lures of this world. He told us that many are going to come in his name, but they are not the one who is to come. So now as John's messengers turn to leave to return to him in prison, John, Jesus rather, plainly proclaims to those listening. He tells us thousands of years of waiting are over. He declares that I am the one. I am the one that Isaiah has pointed to. And tonight, Jesus asks that very same thing of you as you enter into communion with him. Is this the time when you're going to turn your longing and your preparations away from things of this world, from the ten speeds, from the politics, from the whatever it is that's taking our attention? Is this the time that you're going to place your trust and your hopes and your dreams and your planning and your waiting into something that will last forever? Simply, are you ready? Are you ready tonight to welcome the one who is to come? The Christ, the Emmanuel.